Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Morning, everyone. Thanks again, Kibashni, for sharing your story with us. It's amazing to me to hear the testimonies of people, and I've yet to see where God hasn't used a testimony to impact someone else and help them to grow or draw them to himself. And I know that that'll be the case with Kibashni's video today. Todd's last week, um, thanks to Nolan and Cedric for putting those together for us. And they'll be on our website too. If you want to see that again, check it out on our website. This morning, like Ryan mentioned, we're in the last week of a series on sharing our story. Ryan started out last week by talking to us about the fact that we need to be prepared at any time to be able to share our story, that God calls us to be prepared, to be able to share that with whoever he brings into our life, whenever we have an opportunity, that we need to be ready for that. And Ryan went on to give us some tips and some points on how to craft our stories. And I'd encourage you, if you weren't here, go back and check it out online. Make sure that you are ready to share your story. Incorporate those tips so that when you have that opportunity, you'll be effective in it. And if you go back and check out Ryan's message, or if you were here last week, you'll also remember that Ryan was yipping and yapping about whenever he speaks, we get donuts. And I won't have to tell you who does the donut schedule, but I was sitting in my pew listening to that, and I was just thinking to myself, oh, grasshopper, grasshopper. <laughs> if you would just stop and think, grasshopper, because here we are not a week later, and that smell that you can smell right now is not just donuts, kids. That's the full meal deal coming up. <laughs> and I don't see Ryan anywhere talking this morning. So it's going to be an awesome day. Let's, let's pray, though, and then we're going to dive in and keep going with week two. Father, this morning, again, we stop and we thank you for your goodness to us, that through the gift of your son that we have this opportunity to have you as a part of our story. And God, for the difference that that makes, all of the difference in the world. So this morning, as we come before you, I would ask that by your spirit that you would again work in our hearts and our minds, that you would help us to understand the potential that we have, each one of us, in our stories, that you would help us, that you would motivate us to go out and share them with the world around us for Jesus' sake. And in his name I pray, amen. One day when I was five years old, the whole concept of sin dawned on my horizon. And I started to wrestle 
with this whole concept. Like, what is this? What's up with this? And I was having a conversation with my mom. Started to ask some questions. And in the course of that conversation, two things became very, very clear to me. The first one was that there was no doubt that I was a sinner. That I had sin in my life, that I was not perfect, far from it. And that I was, I was absolutely assured that that was the category in which I belonged. And the second thing that became clear to me was that that sin created a problem. That it resulted in a gap between me and God. That there was not the opportunity for me to have a relationship with God because of this gap caused by my sin. And that there was nothing that I could do about that. And so I recognized I had a problem because I was a sinner. And in the face of a holy God, I had a gap. And so as I talked to mom and as she explained to me then what Jesus Christ had done, that he had come and that he bridged that gap for me. That he did what I couldn't do. And that he then, by his death and his resurrection, then offered me a solution to my problem of sin. I recognized, became crystal clear, it all came into focus, who this Jesus was and why he had done what he had done. And how come that was it significant now to me. And so as that came into focus, then I made the decision with mom right there to pray and ask God to become the Lord and Savior of my life and that I would be able to follow him now for the rest of my life. And that day is indelibly etched in my mind. I can remember it. I can remember our kitchen. I can remember going to my bedroom to pray with my mom. I can remember kneeling by my bed. I can tell you the blanket that was on my bed. I remember... My bedside table with my desk lamp that was on it, it's all just right there. And as I made that decision, from that point forward, I've carried on in my faith. Never looked back. It's been awesome. And that's not to say that my life has been simple or that my faith has been easy. Not at all. As a matter of fact, my faith has been tested and tried significantly over the years, most often and most intensely through the crucible of the failing health and death of my loved ones. My first real encounter with death with someone that I loved came with my grandfather, my Grandpa Bainton, who I was particularly close to. I considered him actually more of a buddy than I considered him my grandpa, although he was definitely my grandfather too. And then, my cousin Larry was diagnosed with cancer. All I can remember was it was called a galloping sarcoma. And did it gallop? In a matter of months, Larry was gone. We were 16. And I understood Larry, not as a cousin, but as what I understood or what I thought it must be like to have a brother because we were just that close. 
And then he wasn't with me anymore. All the while, growing up, my dad struggled with his health. He had kidney disease. And so I grew up in the shadow of a very uncertain future for him health-wise. We knew what was going to happen with this disease. At some point, he was going to go into renal failure, and that's exactly what did happen. I was 14 years old. He went into renal failure, had to go on peritoneal dialysis, and then that failed miserably, peritonitis, all kinds of issues that went with that. And so he had to switch over to a kidney machine, a dialysis machine. He went on that three days a week. And it's interesting, Dad always used to joke that he had the best disease in the world because nobody ever dies from kidney disease. You only die from the complications. So he would chuckle about that. Don't worry about that. Kidney disease is never going to get me. And so, as dialysis failed, we were fortunate enough to get a kidney transplant. And he had a transplant. And for a moment, it seemed like a new lease on life. But then in short order, it turned out to be that he had a stroke from all the complications that had gone with the medication and the issues with, from the kidney disease to begin with. And then he had a heart attack. And finally, he passed away at age 45 from an aortic aneurysm. Then my second granddad passed away, with whom I was also close. And then Kathy got sick, my younger sister. She was diagnosed with cancer. And over three years, we went through that process until she passed away. And then one day I was working in the shop at home. And Tori ran over to the shop and said, Dad, I think Uncle Dale's been killed. And sure enough, drunk driver hit my stepbrother and just like that he was gone. And all this isn't to say that I've had a tough life because I haven't. As a matter of fact, I've had an amazing life. All of this is to say that through these experiences, through each one of these Experiences in my life, God has shown up in my world and proved himself to be true over and over to me to the point where there is today no doubt in my mind that Jesus Christ is real, that he is alive, and that he is working every day, every day, always to have a relationship with me and for me to know him the God of this universe. 
And one by one, he has answered all of the questions that I've run into as I've had to navigate through these different health challenges in my world. You know those questions, the ones that we lie awake at night and we think about, that keep us up. Like, why am I here? Is it, is it by accident? Or is there some sort of a design or a purpose? Does anything really matter? Do I matter? Am I significant? At the end of the day, bottom line, when rubber meets the road, what's the deal? What's the whole deal with life? God met me in all of those questions as I worked that through. And he's answered them. I've got answers for all of those. Again, beyond the shadow of a doubt. But not only has he met me in those questions and answered those questions, but he's been with me and he's taken me on a journey that I would have never, ever guessed. That I would never have been able to script. That I would never have been able to plan. I was fortunate enough to go and work at the legislature in Edmonton. I've written speeches for politicians, for premiers. I was able to run a business for a number of years. I've even done a little bit of farming. And then, in the biggest, most colossal twist of them all, God brought me to work at a church. And if only my family could have seen that, I'd love to know what they would have thought of that. And then, as if that wasn't it, then a couple of years ago, I became the lead pastor of a church, and that's just crazy. But what's more is that it just keeps getting better. Not that I don't have bad days, not that I don't have struggles and issues. For sure, absolutely. But as I get to know God more and more day by day, I just get closer and closer to Him. And, and He keeps blowing my mind by opening up new understandings and just new glimpses of who he is and what he can do and what he's all about and, and the fact that he wants to include me in what he's up to. The fact that he can teach an old dog like me new tricks is wild and crazy. So contrary to what the armed forces might try and tell you about coming to work for them, and the life that they offer, let me tell you this, that with Jesus, there's no life like it. And it's not just for me. It's for you too. For everyone. If you choose it. So that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. And I love getting to talk about this with people because I don't think that there's anything more important. Which brings us back to our objective for today, which is to see how you and I can get better 
in our ability to share our story with the world around us. So if you would take your Bibles and open them with me to John chapter 4, verses 4 to 12. We're going to rocket through this pretty quick this morning, but it's, it's pretty straightforward, so I don't think we'll have any trouble. John chapter 4, verses 4 to 12. Now this is where Jesus is traveling. We're picking up the story mid, midway. He's moving from Judea, from Judea down to Galilee. And so we're picking him up on route. So verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Here in this little story, we're going to look at four points, and there's actually a fifth that I want to add at the very beginning, but four points that will help us find ways to share our story and to be better as we do share our story. So let's look at them really quickly. The first one is this, pray. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here this morning because we've just talked about prayer in the last couple of weeks before this series, and so there's only three things that I want to point out here about prayer, but I think that they're significant and foundational. So we'll take the time to just point them out quickly. Number one, pray that the Holy Spirit will equip us as we go to share our story. You and I aren't equipped on our own. We need God to come alongside us and help us in that. And so at the end of the day, this isn't you and me just doing our thing. This is God coming along and helping us to do what he knows needs to be done on levels that are above and beyond us as well. So we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to equip us as we go to share our stories. Number two, we need to pray that we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as we share our stories. That as we are sharing our story, that we would be sensitive to God's leading, that He would help us to understand where it is that we need to slow down and make a point. Where where it is that we need to let someone talk so that they can share a point how he wants us to articulate things, where he wants us to go as we share our stories. So we need his help to guide us as we share. Thirdly, we need to pray for those whom we will be sharing with. Now, Sometimes we know who that is. There's somebody specifically in our lives that we want to talk to about Jesus and what he's done. But there are other times when we don't know who it is that we will be sharing with. In either way, in either event, Be praying for those people that God will be working in their hearts as we share with them. So that's the first point. Point number two, we need to understand that we need to put ourselves in position. 
And here we come back to our text for this morning. Verse 5 says, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So we pick up the story. Jesus is coming to this town. And he sets himself down by the well as the disciples go off into town to buy food. And what's interesting about that is this, is that even though he was tired, Jesus put himself at a people place. He sat down at the well where there were bound to be some people around. That was a hub. That's where people came. And interesting here is there's evidence that at that time of day, because it was noon, it was well past the popular watering time, which would have generally come either earlier in the morning or later in the evening. But he was there at a time when the outcasts, when the fringe of society would maybe show up so that they wouldn't have to contend with the rest, the elites, if you will. And sure enough, that's what happens. This woman comes out from town to draw water. So from that, we need to understand today that we need to go where the people are going to be so that we can gain an opportunity to share our story. Our lives are busy lives nowadays, and our world is designed such that we operate more or less in isolation. Very, very little, and, and even diminishing, are the times that we get to interact with people in a kind of a casual setting or a situation where we would have an opportunity to share our story. So we need to learn to set that time aside and to pick a spot where God can bring somebody into our world where we can share our story about Him. We need to put ourselves in position. Number three, we need to be proactive. Not only do we have to put ourselves in position, but we need to be proactive, which is to say that we can't just find ourselves in the middle of the rink or Tim's or a dance lesson or something or other like that and think that that's sufficient. I'll just sit here now and wait for someone that God's going to bring my way and ask me about my story. That's not what Jesus did. He was proactive. Verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? So he reached out and engaged with her. He took then that next step. Not only did he put put himself in place, but then he reached out and said, hey, would you give me a drink? So he engaged with her. And as we see later in the text, that's not something that happened. Jews did did not associate with Samaritans. But God bridged that gap even. And we need to as well. As we sit down, as somebody comes in and sits down by us, we need to engage the conversation. Hey, how are you? My name's Doug. The onus is on us. And can I just point out here too, is spread that hook, those hooks far and wide. If you go looking for someone in particular, that's great. 
But I'd encourage you, talk to whoever and anyone that op- offers opportunity. Throw it out there. We never know who it is that's going to bite. That who, who God's been working at to that point where they're going to come alongside and give us that opportunity to share with them. So spread it wide. Engage with lots of people and see where God takes it. We need to understand this morning that we don't ever know for sure, or at least there's definite possibility that we don't know for sure, what we're doing as we share our story. At some points, we may be sowing the seed. At some points, we may be watering. And every once in a while, then, we might be harvesting. And each one of those things is significant and important. And so, whenever there's an opportunity, if that person that you hope was hoping was going to be there doesn't show up, don't abandon it. Because there might be someone else there. So throw the hook out to them and see if they respond. Number four, really quickly, prompt questions as you share. The Samaritan woman said to him, verse 9, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Like she's perplexed. Like what's up with this? What's going on? And it provokes a response from her. Verse 10, Jesus answered her. He takes it another step further than that. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Right there, he gives that lady three different things to chew on. First of all, he says, if you knew the gift of God, and I'm sure she's sitting here and the wheels are going around in her head and going, gift of God? Like, dude, what are you talking about? Number two, he says, if you knew who it was that asks you, and I'm sure she's sitting there by that point going, yeah, like, who are you really? And thirdly, he says, um, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And at that point, surely she would have been sitting there saying, like, okay, well, what's up with this living water thing? In, as we share our stories, as we talk to the people around us, we've got to give them a point to jump in and participate with us in the story. We need to talk, turn this into a dialogue, not just a soliloquy. We need to engage them. Just like we were talking about in the last week of our series on Colossians, we need to be prompting the questions that we're wanting and ready to answer, scripting our stories in such a way that it will draw them in so that they will then be able to start and engage and that we'll have an opportunity to keep going and share further our story. Number five, last thing. Anticipate pushback. Verse 11, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. So like she's sitting there going like, what's up with this? Where can you get this living water? Question number two, like, what are you, are you crackers? What's up? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Which is to say like, and who do you really think you are? You're offering living water. What's up with that? And Jesus goes on to share with her that he is the Messiah. As we talk to people around us, we've we've got to understand that the gospel is confrontational. We're presenting people with the fact that their sin is a problem. People don't like to be reminded that they're sinners. We like to be told that we're perfect. 
that we've got it all figured out, that you're amazing. So as we show up and we tell them that, man, all of us are, we've messed up, we've missed the mark, that's not a popular message. But we have to go there for the sake of what's at stake. And so as we get the pushback, as people look at us and say like, dude, what's up with you? Don't fold your tents. Don't collapse. Don't cower. Don't crumble. Stick with it. Persevere. Push through into that objection and beyond. Do it well. Don't be ignorant. Be adept. Be gentle. But don't turn tail and run. Anticipate it. There's going to be pushback. But keep it up. Because if you do, we find out what can happen as we get to verse 28. There it says, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That was her story. Jesus just told her everything that she ever did. She went back and told everyone, this guy told me everything I ever did. And they believed because of her story, and they came out. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his, of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. Jesus has become real to me too. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Touch down. Today we need to understand that not necessarily is everything, every time that we share our story, that revival is going to break out, the whole town's going to come to know Christ. But we don't know that it's not. And it begins when we share our story once. We have to share our stories. Because then God has an opportunity to work and to take us to where we can see. People saved for eternity by virtue of our story. Let's pray. Father, this morning again, God, would you take us now, your people, and would you motivate us, God? Would you equip us that you would take us out into the world around us with our stories, that we would share with them with others, understanding and knowing that within our stories, that we are uniquely qualified by you, uniquely positioned by you in order to share your son with others who need him desperately. And that as we participate with you, that then you can do amazing things in the lives of others and ourselves. And so to that end, God, I pray these things and I ask them now in your son's name and for his sake alone. Amen.